Hello, and welcome to the Box in One podcast, a podcast discussing sports and culture through the lens of the gospel. My name is John Richards, and I'm your co-host today, and I'm joined by my co-hosts, Chris Lassiter and Jeremy Hartman. Welcome to episode 19 of the Box in One podcast. I am your host, co-host John Richards, and I'm here with my co-host, Chris Lassiter, aka C-Lass, and the homie. What up? Jay Hart. What's up, Jay Hart? What up, fellas? Look, we got three great topics that we're going to hop into today, and we got to start in the place where I know that's closest to Jay Hart's heart, okay? Because we're talking about 2K Day, which was this past Friday, NBA 2K17 dropped, released, and Jay Hart got that fresh Legends edition from yes, the and um, I need to ask you about that. Okay, what exactly is the Legends Edition, and did you actually pay extra money for that thing? Yeah, actually, I did. I paid extra money for it. Um, basically, it came with a hundred thousand VC, which is virtual currency that you can spend on your my player or uh, my GM, whatever. Um, comes with uh, limited edition Kobe cards. Um, comes with a Kobe 3D mouse pad. It came with a poster. Um, it came with a Black Mamba skin for your controller. And it came with the entire Kobe collection of shoes for your My Player on the game. Uh, Kobe Retro Mitchell Ness jersey for your My Player. Uh, a Kobe Olympic jersey for your My Player. And a Kobe hoodie, I think that you can wear on your my player. So um, I just went ahead and dropped. Well, I didn't spend the entire $100. I trade my games in, so I use whatever credit I have to trade it in. But I had to get it because Kobe was on the cover. Legend gold. So I had to get it. Yo, I don't think that there will ever be another podcast where we mentioned Kobe at least 40 times in a 40-second span. So um, the... The game actually cost what fifty nine bucks. So, <laughs> so the Kobe Legends Edition apparently is closer to a hundred dollars, and you get all of this Kobe swag, so to speak. Needless to say, you know who did not buy the Legends Edition because if there was a Legends Edition, there needs to be a Tim Duncan Edition that had all that same swag. For the homie TD. So two K, shout out to you for hating on the homeboy. What you um, gonna get? Just a bunch of plaid shirts. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna get a whole bunch of VC points and some rings. That's what I, I know I'm gonna get. So here, here's the ultimate question, though. Okay, because on Friday, I sent to Jay Hart a text message, and I said, Jay Hart, I'm getting the game, buddy. And I sent him my screen name, and I told him to send me a request, and I said, Let's get on these sticks. Here we are, three days later. Resurrection timing. And guess what? I have not heard a peep from Jay Hart. So basically, Jay Hart now plays for the Oregon Ducks because he's ducking me. Wow. It's all good, though. It's all good. No, you can't even use that because I had a legitimate excuse over this weekend. I told you my son been sick, thrown up since Thursday. So so here, here's the thing for our listeners. When we do finally get on the sticks, I'll definitely will give y'all a play-by-play on how um, I... I maddened, that him. Yeah. I maddened him and, and beat him by 21. 
So I need to mention I need to mention this before we we go to the next topic because Chris told us he was not going to chime in on this. He was going to be mute because the last game he played was Mike Tyson Punch Out on Nintendo. So basically, Chris has only played games that had two buttons on it. Um, so I'm not sure <laughs> if he'll be able to handle the new controllers because he's only used two buttons over his lifetime in video game playing. So, so Chris, uh, we were going to ask you to join and play with us, but we're just not sure if you're going to be overwhelmed. I'll commentate. Ain't nobody need your commentary. Oh, you need my commentary. That's what makes it funny. Trust me. <laughs> All it's going to be is buckets though. So, so we got to schedule some time, man. Jay Hart. I know you, um, I know you over there, quote unquote, busy, but my handle is court vision. Okay. I got the original court vision handle. So once you once you see me on online, make sure you send that invite. We can we can get down. All right, I'm with that. We can do that. Don't be over there cheating trying to use Golden State either. No nah, man, I'm gonna go with my squad, man. I'm going with the homies, the Spurs. Oh. Let's oh, roll. I, I thought maybe you all nine power forwards on the roster. That's how we roll, man. That's how we roll. We just gonna take it because I'm gonna use the Lakers, so it's just gonna be Spurs Lakers, huh? Oh, that's gonna be a travesty. It might be a slaughter. You thought Elijah was over there killing prophets. I'm going to be over there slaughtering Jay Hart. Next up, we have college football. We got to talk about college football. This is what? Third weekend? Most teams is 2-0 and or 1-1. and What? What do you mean? Everybody had a bye? <laughs> I know my team, is, my team has played three teams. I don't know if everybody had a bye this early, but uh, most teams have played three games, I believe. Yeah, I but, think this is week three because the top three teams are all three and zero. That's okay, Chris. Uh, Virginia teams Branch always that have from the podcast. Virginia <laughs> teams. Where's the edit button there? <laughs> Virginia teams always have buys, so I know you just lose track of what week we're in. So, um, any reflections on college football for this week, man? What are, what were some of the top stories? I know that there's one that we want to talk about, right? Because this guy just came out of nowhere. I know y'all know who I'm talking about. Oh, uh, the quarterback from Louisville. The homie from Louisville. Did y'all know anything about him? I know y'all down south and stuff. Did y'all know anything about this cat before the past three weeks when he just busted loose? I only knew of him as a YouTube sensation just because his highlights from high school were like phenomenal. Like you're like, wait, this kid didn't really do that. But then after those videos, like I didn't even really know he was at Louisville. Wow. I had no idea like where he went. I was like, oh, that's the same get <laughs> like you know who knows he's at Louisville now? Florida State. Cause he gave them that work. Yo, he worked out on them. And if if y'all don't know who we're talking about, we're talking about Lamar Jackson, the quarterback from Louisville, who is probably the aunt's own leader. I know Jay Hart don't like Heisman talk before week six. I don't know why not. But he's probably the leading candidate in the Heisman race because he's been going flat off. And I just I saw a meme yesterday that had a set of breaks and on the meme, and it says Florida State, you might need a pair of these because they just got beat off of you by Louisville yesterday. I mean, they slaughtered Florida State, slaughtered them like they were like a D two team. That don't make no sense, no sense at all. So here's my question: Is Louisville? A contender? Can we say that? 
I think we're going to find out because in two weeks they play Clemson, and then after that they play Houston. So the games in between those, I don't think they should be challenged unless they just come out and lay an egg. But Clemson and Houston will be the two games that we're going to find out real quick if they're pretenders or contenders. I need to ask you all a question because Mike Vick sent a tweet out. Um, yesterday and said that this guy is five times better than he was at Virginia Tech. I know you guys are Virginia guys. Is Mike Vick talking crazy or is he really five times better than Michael Vick? You can't be five times better than Michael Vick. So, I mean, he's doing incredible things. And Michael Vick played on the team with a lot of help. I actually was just starting as a reporter. My first two years covering sports as a reporter were Michael Vick's first two years at Virginia Tech, and that was part of my beat covering the Virginia Tech home games. I'm just trying to tell you, man, like, you saw phenomenal things all the time. But, like, Lamar Jackson is, like, he is doing, like, things that make you say, golly, like, how how are you doing at the Florida State when Florida State is the number two ranked team in the nation? Like, if you're doing it to them, who you uh, who won't you do it to? So, um I just don't get it, man. Like we heard about Winston. We heard about Charlie Wood Ward. We heard about Tommy Frazier. All those guys we knew about before they broke out. Like this guy just came out of nowhere. And I'm happy about it because he's making the game exciting. And he knocked off Florida State because I don't want to see them anywhere near a Final Four um, come this winter. So shout out to Louisville. And I I hope they lose to one of those games, Clemson. Maybe Watson shows him up in that game, but I don't want to see Louisville in the Final Four either. Sorry. Speaking of ACC, we got your boy, Chris. I heard y'all were BFFs, man. Dabo Sweeney with the Kaepernick clap back because Dabo was like, look, man, I know he's trying to make a stand in all of this, and then he goes on and starts invoking everything, man. Scripture, MLK, um, saying that basically um, we have a sin problem and not a skin problem, which kind of brings up something that Vonnie Bauckham talked about before. But the question becomes, was Dabo out of line in saying this? We know he had good intentions, but. Are we going to throw the baby out with the bathwater, so to speak, in his comments? What do you guys think about what Dabo said about Kaepernick's protest? So, I mean, we, we've we had this conversation before. First of all, I'm not that dude. Like, I hate when someone tries, like, they genuinely seem to be trying to move the conversation forward. Like, they don't word everything exactly the way you want them to word it. And so here comes the clap back on them. Like, I'm not that guy. At the same time, I also told you, sometimes when you trivialize something, like it stops the conversation from moving forward. So if you say that there's not a skin problem, like, yes, it's a sin problem, but sometimes those sin problems manifest themselves in particular ways. Like we know, like theologically, there is a sin problem, but specifically um, there is a skin problem. And so when you try to like wave that away and kind of like when you just throw it under the huge umbrella of, yeah, it's a sin problem. Like, it's almost like, Oh, well, there's nothing we can do about it. Like, like Christ will come, he's come to defeat sin. So he saves us. He is saving us. He will save us. Like we're not at the, 
already we're at the already but not yet stage like one day there won't be this it kind of makes you kind of dismissive over the fact that there are real problems going on right now in our nation and so that's the part of the the thing that i have the problem with is like hey i see what you're trying to do you're trying to move the conversation forward like you have an opinion i think that's great but i thought that was the one part of it that you could say like that's not helping move the conversation forward but all in all like i applaud him for saying something rather than just going into coach speak so what about you jay hart when he first said it like twitter was blowing up and nobody really put everything into perspective or context um Bomani Jones basically was just like, what is Dabo doing? Because it was mainly about how, you know, he invoked images of MLK and, and those type of things. And it was more along the lines of they were trying to take the racial angle to it. Like, I appreciate what he was trying to say. I just don't know that he truly has a great understanding of progress as far as you know racial harmony or you know um, any kind of discrimination i think it may do Dabo some good if he sits down with some of those kids that he's recruiting um and really really talk to them and and find out what they've gone through in their lives what their parents have gone through um for some perspective but also like i don't want it to be the end all be all we're like now people are afraid to say anything because i think when we're having conversations about difficult topics like sometimes you kind of have to put any kind of personal feelings aside so people will get what they need to say out and i think everybody needs to come into it with an open mind but unfortunately it, it's not like Dabo said that in a room full of 10 people and they're having a general discussion he said it at a press conference so the whole world took it and ran with it um you know, we were talking about this kind of pre-show, like, is it a sin problem? Yes, but I think sin problems lead to skin problems. So um, I think there's a root in it somewhere, but like, let's not be naive. Like, there's still very much a skin problem in this country. So um, I appreciate what he was trying to say. Maybe shouldn't have gone as far as he did, but he got on that roll and he just let it all hang out. So um, more power to you, Dabo. But I hope it doesn't, you know, cast a bad light on him because I do think his heart is genuine. I do think he loves his players and his kids. But um, I just I hope it opens more doors for discussion and dialogue. The one interesting angle for me is 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 how people misappropriate your message and your method after your death. And I think that part of what Dabo was saying was a misunderstanding of who Martin Luther King was. He probably got the vanilla version of him which is basically all of his mainstream works and speeches. But once you dive deeper into the person and work of Martin Luther King, you understand that he's not this passive, nonviolent character. Um, like he was really, really adamant for change. And so much so he did things that were countercultural and got the same responses. Like Dabo's conference speech could have essentially been the prelude to the letter from Birmingham jail. Cause you remember these were white clergy members that, that Martin Luther King is writing to who were telling him, Hey, there's a better way to do this. And he's saying, no, this is the way I need to do it. I'm here because injustice is here. And I think that Dabo may need to dive a little bit deeper before he goes into the life and work of King 
Otherwise, he seems like his seems like his comments were pretty surfacey. And because you have a platform, you have the responsibility for the words that you do say from that platform. And I agree with you, Jay Hart. You have a whole bunch of black players on your team. Like sit down, talk with them about their experiences and be informed. Otherwise, you're just a coach interested in winning ball games. Not that I don't like Dabo Sweeney. I think he's one of my favorite coaches in the league because of his faith. Um, but at the same time, because of that platform, you have to make sure you choose your words and not use that platform to um, say things that might not necessarily be true about historical figure figures like MLK. I thought it was a little bit misplaced. So um, shout out to him for doing it. But I just hope that the conversation continues and that players like Kaepernick are able to express their concern about what's going on socially in this country. You know, oh, one, I, one more thought, man. Um, just real quick. It's also one thing that I've just kind of like been weighing through. Maybe you guys want to take a stab at this or not, but like who gets to talk? You know what I'm saying? Um, like if it's like and, and remove race out of it, but just say like anybody who's feeling oppression, say it's women, you know, like there's a place for me in that conversation. But the place for me in that conversation isn't me speaking on behalf of oppressed you see what i'm saying like that like i'm not a woman so i can enter into that conversation but i can't enter into that conversation as an oppressed woman so when like when you go in if there's a group of people who are saying color is being oppressed like i think part of the pushback is saying like wait a minute like like you can't you can't make that declaration that it's not a skin problem if you don't have the skin that's the problem you know what i'm saying so it's just been interesting for me even thinking about like having conversations with people thinking about, hey, how do I enter into this and just being cautious and how I enter into conversations with people saying, like, where do I have a right to speak and where do I just need to listen? So my question is, is wouldn't you like to be kind of a fly on the wall in Dabo's office? Like if any of his players came in and addressed it, like did Deshaun Watson come in like, coach, I appreciate what you're trying to say, but let me school you something real quick, homie. Like. Uh, you know, that's the part of it that I'm curious about, like how did his players respond to it? Um, you know, what did they did they talk to him? So that that's the that's the angle I would look at it from. Like, how did they really take it? And, you know, I don't think anybody ever came like out and defended him, did they? Like, I haven't heard anything. So I think there's a I think there's an interesting power and perspective there, though, too, because I don't I'm not sure if I'm a starting quarterback or a starter on defense. If that might see be seen as jeopardizing my position on the team by confronting the head person in charge. I know the Missouri players did it as a collective team to the president and others to make change happen in Missouri. But for an individual player to come to the head coach and say something like that, that's going to take some definitely going to take <laughs> take some courage to do that. So. Now, I hear you, though. I hear you, though. I think it's uh, interesting to be a fly on that wall if it did happen. Either way, I mean, I was a point guard. I'm going in, and I'm going in, and I'm backing my coach. And I'm saying, hey, he has a track record with me. Like, I've dealt with this man. He's like, I know. Even if he's misguided or spoke misspoke on an issue or two, like, I'm putting my stamp on him. But then if there's something that we need to talk about, we need to talk about it. Like, but that can happen behind closed doors. So we, we want to move on to a topic that we think will be helpful for our listeners. 
And it's something that a lot of people don't talk about often in Christendom, but it is a huge part of who we are and what we do. Last week, I posted an article from Tim Chalice, um, and it was called Three Keys to a Powerful Prayer Life. I'll definitely post the link in the show notes. But he's reflecting on David McIntyre's book called The Hidden Life of Prayer, which essentially has three keys to a powerful prayer life, and all of them include quiet. So he talks about having a quiet time, a quiet place, and a quiet heart to be able to hear from God. And one of the things that was tweetable from the article is that the most important appointment that you make every day is the one that you make with God. And as I was reflecting here with the fellas and thinking through this, I was like, wow, we're all parents. And even for people who aren't parents, prayer is hard. Like carving out time to find the three quiets, a time, a quiet time, a quiet place, and a quiet heart as a parent is difficult. I mean, it can be difficult as a student. It can be difficult as a white collar worker, blue collar worker. We all have these crazy busy, busy schedules. So I just want to get you guys' input on this. But how do you find all of those quiet places and times and hearts when you're a parent or even as a Christian who's busy with life? Like, could you offer our listeners some tips on prayer, which is very paramount to our relationship with God? So for me, I usually go to a park that's close to my house. It's quiet. No one knows me there. I can find my own little space near a creek. And I'll just carve out some scriptures that I want to pray through that week. Very similar, like um, Psalm 104, give thanks. Think about why I'm thankful. First John 1, 9, what do I need to repent of? Like, what part of my life isn't matching up with scripture and um, is hindering me from drawing close to Christ, just casting my cares upon him, First Peter 5, 7, um, asking for wisdom, James 1, 5, and making supplications, Philippians 4, 6, 7. Those are pretty consistent verses in my prayer life. I can look at my schedule on a given day, know whether I'm going to open the store or close the store. I work retail, so I usually have a little bit of time between when I need to be at work and when I um, have dropped my kids off from school. That's typically the time that I like to spend in prayer and I like to get out of my house, especially when it's warm outside and go do it outside uh, in the park. And uh, the part that I struggle with, though, man, is just um, the Christian's greatest reward is we get God like um, and just being content in him and quieting my heart lately has been a huge struggle in prayer. I have things that I know I need to pray about. I just want to talk to the Lord there to enjoy him, the relationship that he saved me for. Um, that's been a struggle quiet in my heart, not wanting to run up and actually do things that I can check off a to-do list for that day. So um, that article really challenged me to pray more. Lord, help give me a quiet heart that just longs to be with you as its own reward. Like you are my reward. You are my treasure. So that's kind of where I'm at and how I play it out but also what I'm wrestling with in it. My thing is my quiet time has seasons where it changes or even my quiet place. So for example, just got a job working in a new city and my wife works in the same city. So before working at this position, my quiet place and time was on my commute, which was probably about 30 minutes each way. Um, each day. So I was able to do that then. So now 
because we're commuting together on several days out of the week, I'm not doing that. So I have to find a new time and place to do that. So what I've done is I wake up when my wife wakes up, but she's she's doing something different and I'm downstairs cooking, waiting for the kids to wake up. And now that becomes um, my time. So there's seasons where the place changes, but I have to make sure that I have to find a quiet place. And it's not usually when the kids are here and we're playing around downstairs. That's not quiet. Um, so I have to find time either after they go to bed or before. And since I'm a morning person and since I love Jesus and since Jesus got up in the morning to pray, um, I'm going to be that guy. I'm not, <laughs> not going to be the night guy who falls asleep praying, even though that's a great, great spiritual practice as well. So, <laughs> so my, um, my quiet time and place has, has changed over the past several weeks. So I'm, I'm still trying to kind of figure it all out, but I'm just grateful that I'm able to reflect on that and continue to try to keep that. And I think prayer always begins with the word of God. So that's why uh, devotionals and, and being able to read the daily devotionals are pretty important as well. What about you, Jay Hart? What do you think? Um, you know, now that I've kind of switched um, occupations, um, my quiet time has changed. And I was that guy. I'm a night out anyway. Um, so I was that guy that when my kids went to bed, that was kind of when I had my time. But now as I've gotten up and take the kids to school and before I go out to do my job for the day, I'll take the time in the morning now when it's quiet read some devotional material or read the material that uh, I have for the week when I meet with my pastor. And then I just kind of sit down and just lately I really felt the need just to sit down and bow my head and just be still and wait on the Lord. Um, you know, I think so many times we have a tendency to pray. Like when we pray, like we just babble on and like, Blah, 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 and just spit all this stuff out, like throwing it at the Lord, like, Lord, I'm laying it at your feet and I'm struggling with this and I'm struggling with that. And um, For the record, Jay Hart was not just speaking in tongues, people. Yeah. Listeners. <laughs> um, you know, I, I just really felt like this need to sit down and be patient and wait on the Lord and just be quiet and be still. And then it really gives me a moment to reflect. I really feel like there's more of a time when I can just hear him. Um, and listen to what he has for me. When times have gotten real hectic, I've often sat down in the middle of the shower, kids going crazy, and there my wife has them downstairs, and it's just like, okay, I just need a minute. I sit down right in the middle of the shower. I'm like, okay, Lord, like this is the only quiet time I got right now, so we're just gonna make this work. So you know, there are different methods, different things, and. Um, I don't, com you know, commute as much anymore, but when I do drive, like there are things that I'll listen to on uh, DVD or on CD rather um, and on the radio and just kind of have that time to reflect as well. But kind of with UJ Rich, like it has seasons, but it's hard, like it's hard. And like you really, um, you know, one of my pastors at church, he said, you need to schedule it almost like write it in your daily schedule and make it a routine if you can. So that's great, man. Hopefully that was helpful for some of our listeners. So this segment is called Sorry We Missed That. And it's where we usually just go back a few years 
Um, this tonight we're going back about six years uh, to look at stories that were very popular. And if the podcast was around back then, we probably would have talked about it. So we're sorry we missed it, but guess what? We're going to talk about it tonight. And tonight we're talking about our boy, General Larry Platt, who on the ninth season of American Idol in 2010 came up with an epic hook for a track and came into the room and sang pants on the ground pants on the ground while you walk around with your pants on the ground he was serious dead serious and there was a dead giveaway and your boy larry platt was like i need to find out why they walk around with their pants on the ground now fast forward six years later and apparently Things have changed a little bit because now kids are wearing skinny jeans, but they're still on the ground. I don't understand. Okay. Help me to understand this, C-Last J-Hart. Why do you wear skinny jeans and still sag? It makes no sense to me. But I have no idea, man. Like It looks like it's the most uncomfortable fashion statement ever. Like, I just, I never have really understood, like, why is that, like... Why is this a thing? And, you know, being in public education for as long as I was and dealing with kids that were, you know, doing that, I'm like, really? Like, don't nobody want to see y'all draws? And I was like, why are your pants so tight? You look like you got on calf braces. But, yeah, you know, like, I don't know, man. I just wish kids would pull up their pants. <laughs> I agree. And, and real talk, like, is, it, is that really a prerequisite for you to become a worship leader in the church? Yo, <laughs> yo, yo, what is you talking about? Yo. You know, you know exactly what I'm talking get, about, man. man. <laughs> you know exactly what I'm talking about, man. I don't understand like why you gotta have on skinny jeans, like to be a worship leader. Oh, I don't man. understand Look, it. I go to a PCA church, man. They're not doing that, trust me. Well, y'all not, not you not they're not progressive enough, okay? I, I'm just saying, if you go to any of these megas anywhere around the country and you see the worship leader walk out, you're probably going to see a pair of two sizes, too small jeans. I'm sorry to the listeners who are worship leaders. I apologize. Maybe you aren't the guy who does that or the gal who does that. But if you are, I need to know why. Why? Look, a side note. Okay, my my son is skinny enough to wear skinny jeans and they look regular. So he <laughs> he actually has a pair. I was mad at my wife for buying them, but we put them on him. I was like, this dude is skinny enough. They look like regular pants. It's crazy. <laughs> Yo, I ain't the dude. I ain't the get off my lawn yet. I mean, I know I'm I'm up there now, but I ain't get off my lawn guy just yet. So I understand like the young people are going to want to do something different. But if the young people ask me for the advice, I might just be like. There's nothing wrong with a pair of Levi's and a Ralph Lauren shirt. Like, you'll be good. Like, it's timeless. You'll have it in your wardrobe forever. Like, you don't always got to do everything trendy. But I can't, I mean, I'm not going to knock them. I don't like it, but I can't knock, like, I can't knock people for wanting to do their own thing in their generation. It's just well, it's not me, my thing. Let me just say this, okay? Don't be 40 and do it. Because I'm seeing some yeah. 40, I'm seeing some 30s and 40s do this, and I'm trying to, you know, trying to help them out. But I can't see you. Yeah, that's, that's got to stop immediately. Can't do it. Sorry. 
to, See, just can't. You have to stop. The way their wardrobe is set up. Do it, we got to have a conversation. J-Hart said the way his wardrobe is set up. Oh, boy. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> Man, let me let me go across town and see J-Hart picking up his kid from school and some skinny jeans. No, jeans. sir. Never happened. <laughs> <laughs> so your boy Larry Larry Platt was a little ahead of his time, man. They still got they still got issues, man, with these sagging pants, even though they are skinny and tight right now. You still General got General Larry. We need a remix. We need the remix on the skinny, we need the skinny jeans, jeans homie. Remix. We Sorry, we missed that. Remix. Sorry, we missed that. All right, so this segment is called What We're Reading and What We're Listening to, where we offer our listeners some resources on some things that we're reading and listening to this past week um, that might be helpful for them in their spiritual journey and walk. So we're going to just hop right in, and I'll tell you what I'm reading. I'm actually working on a small life class, life group session called Wait, Jesus Said That? And looking at some of the tough sayings of Jesus. So I've been reading a couple of commentaries on Matthew's gospel, including Baker's exegetical commentary of the New Testament from David Turner, which is a really good commentary. And just trying to dive into some of Jesus's tough statements, i.e. judge not lest you be judged. So King James, but, you know, I'm teaching in the black church. So you know how that goes. Um, and then. Just what I'm listening to, I just have this worship reflection playlist that I listen to all the time. And here's the funny part about it. My son has memorized almost all the songs on the list. It's so great to hear him belting them out, um, to hear him in the back singing, Great Are You, Lord. It's really, really encouraging for me because he's listening to the lyrics and actually taking them in, asking me questions about them. Like we were listening to To Live as Christ the other day. And he was asking me about what does that mean? Like, what does it mean to die as gain? So having those gospel conversations with my son in the car and being able to play that list and him memorizing the songs has been great. So uh, that's what I've been listening to. The Worship Reflection playlist on Spotify. Um, I've, I'm still reading uh, Pursuit of Holiness. I'm going through it with some men in my church and one of our pastors. Um, I also have this book. Um, that one of our pastors gave to me. It's called God's Game Plan. Um, and it's it's really, it's a simple book. It's an easy read, but it's centered around a sports theme. And um, basically, I'm, I'm going to pass it along to my 12-year-old son so he can read it. But it's just centered around like, okay, like, does God really care who wins or loses? And, um, you know, what proper attitude should be towards athletics and competition and those type of things. And, and how people can uh, basically uh, represent Christ and still be athletic and competitive. Um, so it's a neat little book, um, but it just kind of gives some perspective on um, how, you know, people think, oh, you're a Christian. You can't be, you know, you can't be out there going all black mamba. You know, you shouldn't act like that, but it gives some perspective to it. Um, what I'm listening to, um, downloaded that new Ambassador CD. Um, been cranking that joint. I'm sure Chris has too. So, um, you know, that's a discussion for another day because I think there's some bigger topics centered around that CD. But that's what I'm reading and that's what I'm listening to. See you easy. Yo, so um, definitely listening to that ambassador. Also, um, I sent you guys a link. Shout out to um, my man, Doug Logan, out in Camden, New Jersey. 
but his worship band just released a little EP. You can get it on Bandcamp for pay what you will and download it. It's just um, it's some hymns that you'd be super familiar with, Neo Soul. So I've been hyped about that. I've been reading some things, but Doug Logan also has a book coming out on October 1st called On the Block, uh, a neighborhood with hearts of like just falling in love with these people and um, being a gospel presence here. Um, now we're here and we're kind of like, all right, now what does that look like? So um, I'm excited to be reading that book in the very future. I got a book I'm working through now that's um, pretty good, but um, reading Acts devotionally. But the thing that I'm listening to that has been the most powerful, and um, I went to the Poets in Autumn tour, and that joint was just super powerful. I don't know what it is about poetry. And the first time I went was at Legacy, and I had no idea that the poetry part would impact my soul so much, like to the point where I was weeping. I mean, I'm not like a guy that cries all the time, but it's not like I never cry. But it was super powerful. So I came home, told my wife, like, yo, I went to this at Legacy. Like I was tearing up. It was so powerful. My daughter wanted to go. And this is kind of a neat praise report, too. My daughter turned 18 this week. Shout out to her. Uh, she loves Jackie Hill Perry. And so Jackie Hill Perry and the Poets and Autumn Tour was in Richmond. We took her, but she had to be back to college, and we had one of her friends with us that needed to be back where we were. It's about a two-hour drive, and um, she really wanted to meet Jackie Hill Perry, so we just prayed, Lord, let her meet Jackie Hill Perry, literally out of the blue. Like, we would kind of decide, should we leave or should we go? Here comes Jackie Hill Perry. No one sees her, and so somebody points her out, and I was like, that's her, and I just tapped her and was like, hey, this is my daughter's birthday. She really wanted to meet you, and so my daughter got to talk to her for a minute and get a picture for her birthday. So that was cool. If you guys, you can go to PIATour.com, check out um, when the tour is coming near you, but definitely go if you get a chance. It's powerful. So that's what I've been listening to, Brown. Closing shout outs. Let's go. Shout out to JT Barrett and Noah Brown for going to Norman, Oklahoma and putting it on them Sooners. Shout out to the freshman, Jacob Eason, for pulling out the win in Columbia, Missouri for the Georgia Bulldogs. Go dogs. And shout out to Chris Lasseter playing in skinny jeans in high school in a pickup game. We're going to talk about that at one point. Whoa. Hold on. Oh, here we go. Sorry we shout missed out that. To my, <laughs> shout out to my man Darius George who uh, signed with Marshall University to play basketball from the local high school here. Good kid. We love him and glad to see him doing big things. Yeah. Um, shout out to my daughter who turned 18. Shout out to my wife, uh, constant encouragement to me and made a banging dinner tonight. So I'm super hyped and full. Hey, Darius had me weak at the 2K early release. He was standing right behind me in line. He had on some all white chucks. Some just look like clown shoes. Sorry, Darius. I had to put it out there. <laughs> wow. Wow. <laughs> and for all y'all out there who want to who want to see me, Court Vision. I'm pulling the sugar night on the podcast. If you don't want the producer <laughs> dancing your video. Come see Court Vision. I'll let you boy. <laughs> Bye, Felicia. That's been episode 19 of the Boxing One Podcast. Thank you guys for joining us. We appreciate you for listening in each week. Uh, if you can do us a favor, go over to iTunes, subscribe to the podcast, rate it, review it, and follow us on Twitter at Boxing One Podcast. And we hope to see you all next go round. We'll holler at you. Peace out.